You're listening to Insights with Exonia Bank, a series of conversations from our experienced team of bankers. Today's host is Jan Britt, Senior Vice President and Chief Administrative Officer, and she'll be talking with Kelly Renz, CEO of Advantage and Professional EOS Implementer. Kelly will be sharing her insight about emotional intelligence and how important EQ can play in your career. I'm happy to introduce Jan and Kelly. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Hoping that you could give a little introduction to our audience and tell us a little bit about how long you've studied emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Jan, and Exonia Bank. You know, EQ has been a longtime passion. If you look at my background, I've spent about 25 years in the human capital space working with different leaders. I've led HR teams, operations, and sales groups. And if there's anything that I learned as a leader during that time is that the only way to motivate and um, navigate change within leadership teams is to really focus on the emotional intelligence. There's a lot of things I can't change in um, how we look at leadership and, and how we function, but instead I focused on EQ because that was the one thing we could change in our teams and develop. So I became passionate about it about 15 years ago as I moved into different executive positions. I recognized that there are some people who are just natural leaders. Um, they're individuals on, on our teams that people would follow. I always say they walk through fire for them. Um, These are also leaders that if they do make a career change from one company to the next, they have what we call followership, people who want to come with them. And I became um, uh, enamored and very interested of why are some people just more successful at that than others? You know, why do some people have that it factor that others don't? And after looking at different assessments and ways to measure it, really learned that the most um, predictable way to look at that was through measuring their emotional intelligence or EQ. And that was really the start of understanding what a game changer it can be in not only individual performance, but um, overall organizational um, uh, performance. And knowing that we wanted individuals in our organization to have higher EQ because we would just simply have better results. So it was one of those aha moments of discovery about why do some things work for organizations and people and why doesn't it? So that's really what what was the spurring of the of the interest in EQ all those years ago. And today, I still find it is the game changer. So some things don't change. So what is emotional intelligence? Absolutely, it's a really good question. When people hear emotional intelligence, they also often ask, why is it EQ versus EI, right? You think to yourself, why is it not EI? It's really EQ stands for emotional quotient, but that's not nearly as mainstreamed of a way to say it as emotional intelligence. The other element is when you call it emotional intelligence, people understand you're creating a difference and delineating from traditional intelligence of IQ. So EQ is the different kind of smart. Um, so just a little little tidbit on that. So when you look at EQ, EQ has really become the science and set of tools and behavior measurements that indicate that emotions are a very real part of who we are. When we say to employees, leave your emotions at the door, it's like saying, please leave your arms and legs there too, right? That emotions are a part of who we are. EQ is the set of definitions given to different skills 
in learning how to deal with emotions. So those we'll talk about in just a few minutes, but ultimately EQ is really going to be how do you manage, control, and understand your emotions to really achieve the best outcomes with people around you. So EQ is really saying, how do I get better results? And what can I control about myself? Since we all know we can't control things about other people for a better and more productive outcome. The other thing about EQ that's important to understand is it's something we can change. We can grow. We can grow our EQ for a lifetime if we decide to invest in ourselves. So where we can't change our IQ, what we're born with for IQ came home from the hospital. So as much as some of us would love to try to make ourselves, quote unquote, smarter in IQ, that's not really something that we can change. It's hardwired. The other thing that's hardwired is personality. You know, how we are behaviorally generally doesn't change through most of our career. Personality is hardwired. There's going to be people like me who are impatient. That is a natural, um, natural hardwiring. I will never not be an impatient person. But what EQ really does is it brings to light. Now, how do I manage those things? So if I know I'm going to be only so, you know, traditionally intelligent. And I also know I've got some hardwired traits and behaviors that are inside of me that are always going to be there. Well, then what can I do about it? That's where EQ comes into play. It's a set of decisions we consciously make to make sure that our emotions, you know, honestly, don't get the better of us and get a better outcome at the same time. Okay. So can we take a deeper dive into EQ? Um, in regards to how how does one develop their EQ mm-hmm. skills? Mm-hmm. I always look at EQ as a journey it's, and, and there's not a destination because we should always be working on this. And what's interesting is studies show that the years of our life that we're most able to manage our EQ or evolve our EQ is right around that 24 or 25, think post-college, where you've really kind of amassed a lot of your education and um, that we can continue to grow our EQ all the way into our retirement years. What's an interesting study that I'll share, and probably a case of why we need to be lifelong learners, that in traditional retirement, EQ can actually start to diminish because we're not in a workplace where we're being held by those same standards. And what do we naturally slide back to? Personality traits, the things that don't change. So, so many, if you look at so many... um, Retirement communities, which is, you know, planned communities and groups are now focusing on making sure there's enrichment and development of EQ as part of the way that their social ecosystem works. It's because you want to maintain and continue to develop that EQ all the way through your life. So I share that story because when we talk about taking a deeper dive into EQ, EQ is a conscious decision. Um, it's a conscious decision to work on it. So um, let me share a few things that you can you know, can um, take away as an understanding of EQ. So the first thing is the components we call personal competence. This is how well do you know yourself and how well can you manage yourself? It really is very simple. Um, so we talk about that in terms of self-awareness. How well do I recognize my emotions as they're happening? And self-management, how do I apply the appropriate behaviors in the moment to those emotions so that I eventually can get the best outcome? Um, I can tell you this is where people derail in EQ, that self-awareness is one of the hardest skills to develop because you have to be able to be very um, self-reflective and willing to be critical of yourself to say, I do know that I have certain triggers and certain emotions that come. You know, I, I, you can apply this to your workplace 
and your home life. And I like the analogy as if you have children at home. You may have a child who cannot pick up their socks off the floor. And the first time you tell them to pick up the socks, the second and third time you may, by the fourth time you might be irritated, by the 18th time it's probably no longer trying to seek to understand why might those socks be sitting there. It is gosh darn it, pick those socks up or you are going to be grounded tonight. It sucks. But what it actually represents is a set of emotions that are tied to values. So when we react in in emotions, we're not actually just mad that there's socks on the floor. We're mad because potentially that child is sending a message of, I don't respect the house that you just spent hours cleaning, or I don't care how you feel. So a set of self-awareness, recognizing our triggers and inspecting, where do those come from? Why am I really feeling what I'm feeling is the first step. And a lot of people don't want to take the time to really understand why do I feel this way and forget if it's rational or not, but just understanding why do I feel this way oftentimes is the first really big leapfrog of success somebody will have in developing their EQ. So once you know why you have those feelings and that self-awareness can grow, you start asking yourself those questions of why do I feel this way? Um, Then you can start asking yourself, have that self-talk, that little thing in your head that's a conversation that says, okay, I feel angry, upset, hurt, mad, happy. What is the appropriate way to act? Um, I always call that, that's that intelligent pause to give yourself a second to assess what you're really about to do. And we've all seen people who either have really good self-management skills or they don't. And one of my favorite ways for you to learn how you watch people um, with either successful or lack of successful um, self-management is watch movies. Because movies set up so many examples and stories of conflict and people and how they act. You look at things like how how do they behave? One of my favorites that I use often in training EQ is the scene from A League of Their Own in which the manager is out on the, on the field and one of the peach players um, has made a mistake. And it's the where the famous line that there's no crying in baseball came from. And it's that scene where he has absolutely lost his mind. And it's the lack of self-management. He did not ultimately get the outcome he really wanted. So movies are a great way to te- check it out. Um, if you're a people watcher, you can do it in restaurants too or out and about. And you watch people's interactions and you try to say, what's the story going on here? Watch the behaviors. Why is this happening? That couple's doing really good and ooh, that couple's having a rough day today. And you can have these conversations with yourself of evaluating because sometimes it's a little safer to first look at others versus ourselves. Let's be real. Then apply those same evaluations to ourselves. Seek some feedback as well, right? Ask others what do I do that are your hot buttons? If you have a significant other, they may pull out a scroll with a hundred things on that list. Um, if you do it with your colleagues or your direct reports, just tell them, hey, I'm really trying to evaluate what I can work on here. What are some of the things I do that hit your hot buttons? That's another feedback mechanism where you'll start to learn where you do have good or not good self-management. So those are the two personal competence items. But then you apply those to social competence next. So social competence is now that I know how to control and manage myself and recognize my own uh, emotions, how well can I read those in others or other situations? And then how can I manage those to better outcomes in relationships? So it's really the kind of evolution of skill. 
So when you look at social awareness, it's how well can you read the room? Um, do you really have a way of understanding and reading how people are responding? Body language is one of the best things to really understand. Do you read it? Um, I don't know if you've ever watched somebody in a conversation where you know it's not going well and they can't help themselves and they can't stop. And there's that part of you, I call it um, contact embarrassment, where you as a side person really just want to reach out and save them because what they're not doing is watching their audience. Managers, leaders do this all of the time, have poor social awareness because they, are, they come into a meeting. Let's say it's a performance discussion, going to be a tough performance discussion. They come in with a set agenda. They've got the bullets of what they're going to say to this, this unsuspecting associate. And what will happen is, by golly, they're going to get through that discussion no matter what the other person is. I don't care if they cry. I don't care if they're upset. And I'm not going to listen to what they have to say. And plowing through those discussions, at the end, they may feel was successful because they did it. Check the box. But at the end of the day, they did not leave the other person whole. So social competence plays right into the ability to read behaviors and adjust on the fly to doing the right thing. And then relationship management, even in that example I just gave about the manager giving feedback to an associate who might be having some performance challenges, relationship management is all about, can I deal with the emotional things with you, but still have a good relationship at the end of it? You know, um, there are those managers, and, and we've all experienced them, or leaders who can share bad news, but at the end of it, you don't feel bad. That's a sign of really strong relationship management is when you can still feel whole at the end of something difficult. People with high relationship management skills also tend to be very inspirational. These are the people you want to follow. You can get behind. You're like rah, rah, rah behind them after they've talked and done something. So those are the... Um, those are the, if that's a deeper dive into EQ. And what's interesting, I get asked a couple questions, if I may, is, you know, so, so some people who may have high EQ, so they actually possess the ability to read their emotions, manage them, and apply them appropriately, sometimes may not come across like they have high EQ. As a matter of fact, they may come across as low EQ. And, and the general response to that is, well, actually, they're just picking and choosing very carefully when they want to apply it. So you can still have a high EQ and perhaps not have great relationships. That's more unlikely. That tends to point to people's values. Where do they want to spend time? So you could have a high EQ leader who has maybe poor management skills because they may not be prioritizing the relationships with people as high or are making a deliberate decision not to engage in those relationships for some other reason that you might have to investigate. The flip side is true as well. So some individuals can have low EQ, but may exhibit or be interpreted as high EQ. And typically what we have found is that those individuals with low EQ that show that they're performing higher or come across with higher EQ, if you watch over time, there's probably like three, maybe four very predictable skills that they've developed in response to situations that become predictable. It means they say, I have learned these four things work and I'm going to use those four things in every situation that I can. And eventually what happens is there's an implosion or it derails because they can't adapt to it. So even if it's situation or for a while, I always say low EQ that looks like high EQ doesn't sustain because they're not playing into their natural self. So they've learned a couple tricks of the trade, but that's about it.
So high EQ, though, will really generally look like somebody who genuinely cares about you, will have relationship interests, and is somebody that you want to engage with. Has nothing to do with extroversion or introversion. We get asked that a lot. High EQ is not actually correlated with either of them. There's no, there's no difference. People who are extroverted will approach EQ in a different way than those with low EQ. They can still have high EQ. They're just going to approach it in a different way and will ultimately be really seeking a better outcome. They have more self-talk capabilities maybe than the average person. So hopefully that sheds a little bit of, of deeper light into what is EQ, how can we develop these EQ skills, and what are some of the ways that it shows up in our lives, both professionally and personally. Yes, fascinating. Wow. And you've given some really good examples of how it's we can, I could picture in my mind various situations throughout my career and in my personal life of poor EQ, great EQ. But could you talk a little bit about EQ and 2020, the year of the pandemic and how (laughs) beneficial it is, especially for leaders today, to have high EQ. Absolutely. I mean, if there was ever a great case study year, this is it, probably for a lot of reasons, right? Um, Well, 2020 is like no other year. And, And here's how EQ will have benefited or hurt individuals or organizations going into the pandemic. One of the most important things to consider is um, the amount of ambiguity that there was. If you think back to March 1st, I'm guessing that the, the the group that's in this room would probably say, hmm, didn't expect that we would be closing certain parts of our business two weeks from then. And two weeks from then when we did close certain parts of our business or made changes to how we operated, but a lot of us wouldn't say six months later, we're still making arrangements into next year for the same. So that ambiguity, not knowing what's going to happen, not having the answers, is very much an EQ play for leadership. So individuals, for example, let's say leaders with high EQ looking at 2020, the very first thing that they'll inspect is, how am I feeling? about it. I'm feeling anxiety. I'm feeling uncertain. I'm feeling like there's a lot of pressure on me to make sure I take care of my people. I'm recognizing these feelings, okay? So a good leader with high EQ is going to at least acknowledge and say, honestly, here's where I'm at. Here's my headspace. Here's my head trash, as we would call it. After that, then what happens is they'll say, okay, knowing all of those things about myself, how do I need to manage that so I instill the most confidence in my my, my team? Note that I didn't say, how am I going to mask my emotions, but it's how am I going to appropriately be vulnerable and honest and authentic about what I'm feeling? And those are buzzwords we hear a lot. But let's face it, if we went to our employees and tried to put a brave face on and didn't act like anything is wrong, they're going to look at you and say, what is wrong with you? Are you in reality with us here? So asking you know, leaders who could apply the right humility to the situation of their emotions and then use their social Uh, awareness to read how employees are doing. Organizations that went out and assessed early, how are are my employees feeling and have done surveys along the way to check the pulse of the organization are an example of a leadership group that probably has a lot of EQ because they know that this is a fluid situation and it changes week to week, heck, day to day. And in it, they're managing and looking at what's going on. So high EQ is pulse checking. 
Okay, that's really looking and saying, how do I need to adapt, pivot, change, whatever buzzword we want to use for this year? So that's one of the things that we'll see. So the organizations that had better communication, cascades, that put more time and effort into making sure that there was personal connection with individuals are the ones that generally performed better through this crisis. Every organization should take this opportunity to reflect on their leadership team and say, how did we do? Or how are we doing? Who stepped up to the plate? Who did not? Why was that? Where did they implode? Where did we have success? And if you really applied the principles of high EQ, I can almost guarantee you're going to see those with high EQ performed better and those with low EQ instead decided to either over-engineer communications that didn't come across as authentic or quote-unquote corporate speak or did not play into the emotions of the employees enough where it created some humility and trust that will show itself in the next year to year and a half. Um, but leadership teams need to be inspected because the skills, this is probably the most important point, the skills needed pre-pandemic to now and later are different. And if leadership teams continue to assume that the same skills and behaviors are needed that were here a year ago even, the world has changed. And if we don't adapt our leadership teams and styles to the this next normal that's where we're going to see an even bigger gap. And EQ is the exact place to go first, is how are people thriving and what emotions are we able to manage? So 2020, again, has been a year like none other, where EQ would be the absolute case study for that. And you know, ultimately, we'll see what happens from the economics of the performance of organizations. I mean, organizations will either have performed better or not. Now, of course, there's all sorts of, of impacts right now that organizations can't control. But for the things they can, it'll be interesting. So, you know, a great example to think about is talent, right? The talent of an organization is your lifeblood. Companies are starting to hire again, right? Companies are starting to go out and look at talent again and and top talent has always been in demand. So if companies become complacent in the way that they're handling their employees or start to take their foot off the gas pedal of communication and whatnot, I can guarantee there's companies out there who aren't doing that and are going to scoop up those top players and say, look, come on, come join us. We're progressive. We're current. We're, we're in tune. And that's going to be another place we'll see some attrition and some turnover is as people start to stabilize in what this normal feels like, companies are going to start recruiting and poaching and, and doing all those things we know that happen in a normal economy. So that's going to impact bottom line as well as good performers are always in demand. Yeah, it has certainly been quite a year of challenges. <laughs> yes, um, so 2020 aside, do you have some examples of companies that really stand out to you as companies that exhibit great EQ? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When, when there are a lot of studies done in um, organizations to evaluate where they are in their EQ, there's a few indicators that we look for of high EQ or low EQ. So organizations, and I'll give a couple examples in just a moment, but organizations with high EQ have a very authentic brand. They're very recognizable. They know who they are, and then they know who they aren't. So they don't try to be something different. They don't. They, they, they are very clear and probably unapologetic for it, right? So when you think about branding, when you think about brand loyalty and customers, um, there are individuals that will be attracted to some organizations because of that. And those organizations tend to be higher EQ because they know their emotions, they know who they are. And what they're then doing is they're saying, 
here's how we're going to manage that. And we're not going to try to be something we're not, but we are going to appeal to our, our ideal audience, which is relationship management. So that's an interesting point is if you think about the world of marketing, it has a lot to do with EQ. So two, two companies I love to, to point out that we can generally, um, most of us can relate to is Southwest Airlines. Travel woes aside right now, Southwest has always been known for having an incredible culture um, as well as a consistent um, customer experience. I mean, the customer's experience, having fun is one of their foundational um, values. But in order to be able to have that kind of a consistent culture with over, what is it, over 25,000 employees, it's even higher than that. How do you do that? I mean, it's hard enough to sustain culture in a company of 10 people, much less more. It's because the organization decided here are the emotionals that we emotions that we reward and recognize in people. And here's how we want you to manage them for consistent outcome. So they equipped their people with the tools, the skills, and the knowledge to have strong AQ so they could deliver on their customer service mindset. Um, and they screen, screen, screen for this in the hiring process. I can tell you there's a whole layer of EQ evaluation done as they bring people into their organization as well. So that's one example. Um, another is Zappos, um, who had been acquired by Amazon a few years back. But Zappos was the, um, which started as an sh online shoe um, retailer, has expanded, obviously, their product set. But Zappos, which their tagline is um, few, uh, powered by service, the um, experience that you're supposed to have with Zappos is that you can return something anytime, any place, for any reason, and they'll just take it back. They have the free shipping back and forth. And they decided, we want an emotional intelligence in an environment where we can have our frontline associates, our customer service associates, making decisions of how to do customer service. They recognized and do not have layers of management like triple or like tr traditional companies. It's amazing. I physically have been in their their environment out in Vegas and their um it's it's a, quite the sight to behold. It's quite chaotic. It appears chaotic, but people are all of the equal level. There's no offices. Their CEO sits in a cube, right, with everybody else. And what it is is it's an environment where each person is empowered to make decisions. So you don't need managers if you can empower people to make decisions. And they do use selection tools of EQ as well, because they know there's certain indicators of behaviors that will apply that judgment. So another one, you know, a great service company. And think about what these two are known for, service. Imagine if we could, in our own organizations, apply those same concepts to service with our customers. And if we focus more on EQ, the stuff we can change, the outcome we could have through our bottom lines would be significant. Yes. Wow. Well, I think our time is up for today, Kelly, but thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge on emotional intelligence and obviously a very interesting and important topic. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be sharing more stories in the episodes ahead. So if you like the information you heard today, please make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wishing you all continued success. We'll talk to you soon.